Today, I want to talk about the fact that the biggest loser workout regimen reinforces all the right errors. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mind Blowing Health and Wellness with Violet. I'm Violet. I'm a psychologist. The reason I make these videos is to help everyone to understand that your mental health and physical health come together to create that overall sense of well-being. If you think this kind of content is useful, please consider subscribing. The Biggest Loser focused a lot on exercise. When you watch that program, the majority of what they showed was exercise. That gives the impression to anyone watching the program who would like to recreate so basically, I want to learn from the program so that I can do in my life what they accomplished. It gives the impression that exercise is the way to lose weight. Yet we know that exercise actually only accounts for 20% of the weight loss that people are able to accomplish. And I'm being generous when I say 20%. Most experts say 15. I'm giving a little bit here because I think when you work out the way the biggest loser people did, yeah, it's, it's going to give a bit more, I think. But here's the thing. I want to go through that workout regimen, that food regimen, and just really talk about why it's actually reinforcing all the correct errors. So all the things that are going to actually cause us to fail. First and foremost, in order to do a workout as prescribed by The Biggest Loser, you need to work out as if it's your job. That means eight-ish hours of working out. So when people that did the program, so old contestants talk about what you know, a, a day of working out actually looked like for them. Most of them describe something that started off with a warm up that consisted of about an hour on the elliptical and a five mile, mile jog as a warm up. And I'll be very honest with you, I think for most people, that's your entire workout. So, right away, you could see going into this process that what we, the general public, are doing would not even touch what the people doing this program are doing. Right away, that causes me to think about sustainability. Will I be able to use this way of working out forever? But I'm, I'm not going to stop there. Let's keep going through what the, the person or the people describe. So that's part one. That's your warm up. After your warm up, you're going to have breakfast. So the part I like about this situation is that actually that first workout is fasted, which we already know from the community of uh, low carb that fasted workouts are the most efficient. But here's the thing, they're doing their warm up fasted. Then they eat breakfast. Okay, I'm, okay, but so then they eat breakfast and they ice their joints. Now, I would imagine that partially they need to ice their joints because a lot of the people doing the Biggest Loser workout, in all fairness, are more than double the weight that they should be. So there, some of these people are starting off 300, some people are starting off more than 300 pounds. I understand the need to ice their joints, but just understand what's happening there. I've worked out, no, I've warmed up at such a level that my next step is I need to ice my joints. Okay, I have breakfast, I ice my joints. This is a process that's taking, the whole thing taking about half an hour if I understood what I read correctly. And then the next phase that you step into is your real workout begins. When your workout day continues after breakfast, you're starting it with 40 minutes of a brisk uh, cardio again. So elliptical or some other cardiovascular activity. And then I'm, I'm assuming elliptical was mentioned a lot because it's very easy on the knees and a lot of these people are extremely overweight. But then you're, so elliptical and some kind of resistance training, hitting all the different body parts over the course of the day. And then this, so this second part, cardio and resistance training cycles throughout the rest of the day. 
until we get to six six hours to eight hours worth of workout that the person has done. Your day is over. Tomorrow, <laughs> rinse and repeat. You know, I I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, it's a job. So basically, if I want to be able to lose a dramatic amount of weight in a short period of time, I need to treat it like it's my job. And that I understand because if I have that much weight to lose, really what is also happening is that my health is on the line. But there's problems with this workout that I'm going to explain to you as we go forward because we're talking not only about losing the weight, we're talking about maintaining the gains you've made. And this is where I feel like this workout, first of all, would the average person be able to do this workout on their own? And the answer to that is no. So now, again, if you're 300 pounds, might you be in a situation where you decide I'm taking six months off and I'm just doing this? You might be in that situation, but not everybody can afford it. So part of the issue that I have with this strategy for weight loss because we're focusing our energy on the exercise, which is only 20% of where weight loss actually comes from, we have to put so much energy in that it becomes our full-time job. There was more to the workouts though. I wanna say there was another piece of the puzzle. People who are on the program also had last chance exercises. So last chance workouts to really lose that water weight that they're carrying going into the, uh, the weigh-in days. And those exercises were actually even more intense and in, in involved doing things. One of the examples they gave was like flipping tractor tires, jumping into the tire, jumping out the other side, and then pushing the tire 50 feet and repeat. Again, you know, I'm just thinking to myself, I don't believe at my current weight I could do that. I'm not sure how I would do it when I was at the weight I started at. Again, what I find frustrating about the the weight loss strategy that i hear when people recount what they were doing in these in this program is that for the average person who would want to try to do something like this at home it's not possible i don't believe i would have been able to do that not strong enough not having the willpower to do that i do find it interesting that in a time magazine article jillian michaels actually so 2009 may 2009 you can look it up. Jillian Michaels actually said that the average person who has weight to lose shouldn't exercise more than eight hours a week because she said in order to exercise more than that, you really should be under supervision. Okay. It falls in line with what was happening in, in the um, actual program. Everybody had supervision, but again, it also talks about the fact that what they were doing with these contestants is not something that the average person in her opinion, should even be trying to do. And she went even further to say that you should never pass 10 hours a week. Her, her idea was something between half an hour, five days a week to eight hours total for the week. Now, the other problem that I have when we talk about maintenance, so after months and months of working out this way, pushing my body, pushing my body, eating the smallest amount of food that I can to still fuel this grueling exercise that I'm in, creating a calorie deficit, of course, and working really super hard, I get down to whatever my goal weight happens to be, or I get really close to my goal weight. And the problem that I see here is that there is no talk about maintenance. Like, what is the regimen once you've left this biggest loser program to maintain myself at this weight. 
we all know that after months, so after six months of eating a certain amount of calories, your body, because of homeostasis, we, our body loves that. It loves to be, it loves to be stable, stabilizes and now moderates what it's doing so it's energy output it's heating it's you know the way that it's using energy to suit the amount of food that's coming in and the amount of work that you seem to be having to do so when we're doing that biggest loser style situation i'm pushing my body because i'm exercising every day like it's my job i'm eating a very small amount of calories my body is looking at the energy intake versus what i have to do and it's it's balanced itself and then i leave the program unless i continue so if i won i might be in that situation where i have enough money that i can continue to work out this way and keep going like that for the rest of my life however if i didn't win the program and if i didn't make it far enough so let's say i made it far enough to lose a significant amount of weight but i didn't make it far enough to win enough that i could actually put that much energy into working out what happens well, now I'm in the story where I have to go back to work. Unless my job is as a construction worker or my job is something where I'm just running around and moving around and doing a lot of, uh, using a lot of energy every single day, I'm still in the situation where if I eat exactly this, the right amount that I was supposed to eat, my body is not outputting what it was outputting over the course of the last few months. I will gain weight. Take this a step further. If I know this, well, the option I have is do my job, get home, work out like crazy and try to fit it in. Again, willpower. Am I actually going to do that or eat less? Do I have space to eat less? If I eat less, I risk the situation where now I'm malnourished because I'm not eating enough food to actually build my body. That's also dangerous. I feel like the, one of the big issues that I had with the Biggest Loser program is that I didn't see that they gave enough attention to maintenance and teaching people how to how to keep what you gained in the program once you've left the program as a matter of fact they didn't allow people to talk about how their life was after the program so that even made me feel like if on some level they knew and thought people were going to regain the weight so again there's a lot of issues that i have there because if there was a question mark that someone might regain the weight why not help them by t giving them some tools so that they don't but part of the problem is again the model that's being used if you lost weight by working out and keeping your calorie intake really small the only way to go forward with that would be to keep working out which most people would not be able to do so again this is part of the, where i see the problem um, of maintenance when it comes to this program I do find it ironic that in the exact same article, Jillian Michaels talks about the fact that she doesn't always have time to work out, like so on a daily basis. I mean, this is what she actually does for a living is coach people and help them to work out. And she admits she doesn't have time to work out every day. What she did say is that sometimes she'll do a double workout. So an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening. Again, she's not working out uh, more than eight hours in a day to maintain because again, she wouldn't need to. The Biggest Loser Workout Regimen also has people eating at a calorie deficit, right? So like, you know, meals were somewhere around 1,200 to 1,500 calories, depending on whether you were male or female. And one of the things that I will point out is that when we're eating at that kind of deficit, especially coming from a place of two to 3,000 calories, I'm using the number just so you can follow along, 
it's energy, right? Our body doesn't understand calories, but when you go from eating a large amount of energy, like 2000 calories down to a small amount of energy, 1200, your body isn't used to that. And you're not used to that. You are going to be hungry. You're going to have less energy and you're going to be hungry. So I'm pushing myself to work out and I'm hungry. How many people are able to sustain that? So basically what I'm saying is how many people, when there aren't cameras all around, making sure that I don't go eat, are going to be able to have just barely half the amount of food that they're normally used to eating, feeling hungry and not go and get something to eat. I know, again, I'm just using myself as the example. I wouldn't be able to do that. And it's not because I don't have willpower. I'm not going to say that. It's because it's uncomfortable to be hungry. So eating your plate and still being most people are going to have a hard time to make that last more than a few weeks. The other part of this that makes it a struggle for me, but maybe that would be a positive in your mind. But the other thing that I think would make it a struggle for me is knowing that I'm eating this meal. It's small. I'm still hungry and I have to wait how many hours before I can eat another meal versus some people might find that. Okay. Like, okay, I'm eating this little bit of something now, but I know I'm going to have something else later. It's going to be okay. My issue with that. And this is where, again, I, I feel like, Maybe I think too much, I don't know. But the fact that I ate this and I wasn't satisfied, knowing that I'm gonna probably eat that and not be satisfied, that would frustrate me. Everybody's different. But that's just my personality. What's worse is that what we do know is every time you eat, no matter what you're eating, whether it's protein, fat, or carbs, you're spiking your insulin or you're raising your insulin, not necessarily spiking it all the time. If you're eating carbs, you're spiking it. Most of the meals that these contestants were eating had vegetables that were not the lowest glycemic. So they were, in my opinion, just looking at some of the stuff we saw on the show, spiking their insulin. So they're eating repeatedly during the day, rising their insulin, different points in the day. We know that when insulin goes up, it takes a little while to come down. So if I'm doing six meals in a day, by the time I have that next meal, my insulin is not back down to baseline. It's going up again. So part of the problem that I have is just that, is that the things that they're doing aren't really helping them to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. Because every time I rise my insulin, I'm storing whatever I've eaten as fat, right? So again, we need to understand what we're doing, especially if we have carbs in that meal. And I, from what I could see, again, just watching the program, every meal had some carbs. So you're constantly storing, constantly storing. In that article in May, 2009, Julia Michaels talked about her new upcoming book, at that time, Mastering Your Metabolism, in which she said that the key to weight loss was stabilizing your hormones. So did she learn that from the show? Or like, because it's interesting to me that during the show, even the refreshers of the show, they still focus on calories, but she's saying the key is, is hormone stabilization, balancing, right? Well, why does she then encourage people to eat a lot of carbs, which causes your insulin to rise, which causes you to store fat? You would think that the answer would be eat fewer carbs so that your hormones can balance themselves out. Because every time we have a hormone that gets out of balance, it throws our hormones out of whack, right? Cortisol is going to be off. Um, glucagon is going to be off. Like all your other hormones, like they, they affect each other. 
So confusion, right? Like Jillian Michaels seems to understand that your hormones need to be balanced in order to lose weight. She said that back in 2009, and yet even as recently as a few months ago, she continues to say that eating low carb is not healthy and it's going to put you in a, a state of emergency. Continuing to promote six small meals a day will actually lead to excessive amounts of insulin, which create an imbalance in your hormones. What she's saying doesn't match. Since the diet continues to focus on calories, they continue to promote people to eat well-balanced, as they call it, healthy things that are low in calories. And I thought it would be interesting to take a moment and just look at what can what they consider a healthy snack and then how those healthy snacks do or don't affect our insulin levels because we know that insulin being high causes us to store fat. So I'm going to go through a few of the ones that I found. What I decided to do was to choose three snacks that fall into this low calorie lifestyle. And, you know, by looking at things, I saw them eating on The Biggest Loser. These seem to match with the kind of things that they were eating. And I just wanted to go through with you, like, I actually went to one of the sites and I said, like, Biggest Loser snacks. And these three actually came up because I wanted to show if you actually just ate exactly what they told you to eat, what the calorie count would be versus the carb count for us to be able to make some kind of idea in our own mind about how healthy this is for us to eat. The worst part about all of this is that these three snacks and all the meals that you saw them eating have a high carb content, and at least for people doing keto. So again, if we look at keto for what it is, a way to balance our hormones, so get that insulin under control, so that the rest of our, our hormones can be under control, and that we can efficiently start using our fat that we have stored as fuel, and allow our bodies to use the storage rather than continue to store. So by eating a low amount of carbohydrates every day, which remember, there's no such thing as an essential carbohydrate. We don't even need to eat them at all. But eating a low amount of them, a low number of carbs, helps us to then tap into this onboard fat. Now, if I understand that that's what's happening, here's the great thing, I will lose weight. And because my body is taking energy from myself, there isn't a deficit that I'm engaging. So let me be clear about that. When you first start doing a ketogenic lifestyle and you're eating 20 grams of carbs or less in your day, the fat that you eat in you from your meals is either going to be the same because you just make that switch and you if you add salt, it really helps, and it will be the same. But if you find yourself a little hungry and you add a little bit, so you start cooking, you know, and adding a little bit of fat to that those meals, by the second week, that extra fat is no longer necessary. So we are not adding fat on a regular basis. The only reason for adding a little bit of fat during the first two weeks is because I've taken so much energy out. So the carbohydrates are not there. My body's looking for energy, giving a little bit of fat to help balance it out, helps your body to get forward. You don't keep doing that. So what happens is that, and two weeks is not long enough for my body to get used to that. So what happens is that 
I'm eating 2000 calories, where again, I use the number just for you to have a reference point. I start doing a ketogenic lifestyle, 20 grams of carbs or less, whatever protein that I happen to be eating that matches with my lifestyle. So basically whatever I was eating before, I continue eating in terms of the amount of protein. And then the fat that comes along with that protein, any other energy that my body needs, it takes it from me. The benefit there is that my energy usage, so the energy that my body uses to function stays the same. So if I was at 2000 calories and now in my course of my day, so let me be clear about that. If I was eating 2000 calories and now in the course of my day, because I've decreased the amount of carbohydrates that I'm eating, I'm no longer eating 2000 calories. Maybe now I'm eating 1500, maybe now I'm eating 1600. That 400 calories, again, I'm just using that for reference, is now coming from the fat that's on me. So every day my body will pull out 400 calories from the bank of Violet, right? And I'll lose weight. I wanna make sure that I point out that these three snacks that I'm gonna read you are going from lowest amount of calories to highest amount of calories. On the website that I did find, they said that the, the uh, calorie count would be between 150 and 250, and that they encourage people to look at the calorie count so that you don't end up going over the amount of calories that you're gonna eat for the day. So I have the smallest one first, the medium one, and then the largest one, and we'll talk about that afterwards. So hummus, carrots, and celery was the first um, snack that they suggested. This actually comes out to 9.7 net grams of carbs. So right away, that's half of my day's worth of carbohydrates on a snack. Now, in terms of total carb, it would turn out to be 14.8. So if those of you that are doing total carb, 14.8. And the calorie count for this is 93. So calorie count wise, actually it's really good, but carb count wise, anyone doing a ketogenic lifestyle wouldn't be able to have this. Or if you do have it, you, that's half of the carbs you have for your day. Here's the thing that I wanna point out. If I'm eating 93 calories and I've got 1200 calories to, to work with, or even 1500 calories if I put myself on the higher end, I still have a lot of calories left to work with. The problem that I see is that if I have a lot of weight to lose, so now I'm talking about those people who may be coming into the story at 300 pounds, if I allow myself to eat 9 grams of carbs just in a snack, I'm very likely going to be eating many more carbs than that during the rest of my day. Even though my calorie count is going to be low, I'm not going to lose weight. I'm going to have to work out super extremely hard and have very few, so right, so I must create a deficit in order to lose any weight. Just keep that in mind. The next um, snack that they gave as an example was dips and chip, and I was really excited when I saw this one on the list. Six baked corn tortillas, that's why I got sad. Six tortillas, like, okay, so when I did this, num the numbers for this, it's 19.8 grams of net carb, 23.5 total carb. Now. Oh, sorry. And the calorie count, I'm still not used to talking about that part. The calorie count is 142. The calorie count's not bad. You could probably fit that into your day. The problem that I see, again, is that that's all of my carbs for the day. We know that carbohydrates is what pushes us to gain weight. That one snack, just, I'm done. 
it's over. Allowing myself to understand that that's not a great snack for me, right? So again, if I'm coming into the story at 300 pounds, having that as a snack means I'm not going to lose any weight. My body is going to be chasing carbohydrates because we carbohydrates are addictive. It's going to push. I'm going to be hungry all the time. This is going to, and, and not to mention six tortillas. This is going to be a very frustrating of all the snacks. This was the most frustrating to me. Just even imagine eating because six tortillas. Come on. I don't think I've ever eaten less than 20 when I was eating them. So I just find that's a bit of a silly uh, snack from the point of view of someone who's trying to, to be satisfied at the end of that 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 meal the third one greek yogurt dried unsweetened cranberries pecans and blueberries so this came in at the worst carb net carb of 25.1 the total carb was 27.7 and it had 254 calories you know most people are going to think they did well eating this but 25 grams of carbs in one small meal um you know just consider that's eating five teaspoons of sugar just put that in perspective i really do believe that in terms of satisfaction of eating something you know the third one probably would give me the most satisfaction just because it's like one complete thing that i'm eating and it seemed like a good amount but the second one would give me the least amount of six tortillas and the first one would frustrate me as well because two tablespoons of hummus is going to be done like before i finish all my carrots and my celery so I do feel like in each of these situations, there's the, these are snacks that would leave me frustrated. I don't know about you. Let me know in the comments if you feel like those are snacks that would leave you feeling satisfied or that you would feel like you would want more. But to me, I feel like those would leave me um, frustrated. Low-fat meals force you to get energy from carbohydrates. That leads to higher insulin levels, which leads to obesity, which leads to metabolic issues, which leads to taking medications to solve metabolic issues that are only there because of high carbohydrate intake. It's a vicious cycle that we are on. This vicious cycle eventually leads a lot of us to do extreme measures to lose weight, extreme working out, diet pills, not eating, so starving ourselves, which can even lead to malnutrition, which hurts us. And the worst part is, when all of that fails, what do we end up doing? Some of us, unfortunately, end up needing to do weight loss surgeries that don't work. And I've encountered so many people who have done the weight loss surgery and then put the weight back on. That it's sad because, first of all, it's a surgery, which you're risking your life to do, to turn around and regain the weight because you haven't been taught how to eat an appropriate diet that will allow you to be at a healthy weight or you could eat a healthy diet that is low in carbohydrates moderate in protein and fat that allows your body to naturally do what it wants to do which is give you energy grow and and build itself strong and be healthy with no metabolic issues happening even allows you to clean up those, some of those metabolic issues. And then you can use exercise for what it's meant to do for strength, for flexibility and longevity, because the more muscle you have on you, research shows the longer you live. The problem is this, what I just said, is not promoted because there's no money in it. 
What do you want to do? Do you want to help companies make money and become richer and richer? Or do you want to have a healthy body that you can run around and play with your kids and your grandkids and go out with your friends and do things with a body that feels amazing? How about my wellness warriors want the latter, right? Do things with your body that feel amazing. I want to thank all my wellness warriors for coming by. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing. If you found this video helpful, please consider going over to my Patreon account, Patreon slash Violet Rivera, where you can make a contribution to the production of future videos. I want to thank you for watching Mind Blowing Health and Wellness with Violet. I'll talk to you again in the next video.